So we see in Luke 19 here, they said, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said, Rebuke your disciples. Now, now and people have this tendency to, to rebuke people when they are praising. Okay? But they don't rebuke people when they are praying. But they rebuke people when they are praising. All right? It's just a natural tendency. For example, let me say this here. Now, I'll give you the scripture first. And you cannot false this scripture I will give. Now, put up when it says, let everything that hath bread praise the Lord. Now, it says, now let's all say together. Let what? Everything that hath bread praise the Lord. All right. So, so we can say, if you flip that, you say, let everything that doesn't praise the Lord not have bread. Do you understand what I'm saying? So every, now, every, now, everything means what? Everything. Is it born again Christians? Is this, let every born again Christian praise the Lord. It says, let everything that has what? Bread. So even animals should be praising God. Are you following me? Let everything that hath bread praise the Lord. Are you following? People just, just are angry. He wasn't even teaching you how to live life. He was doing what? Praise the Lord. He didn't say let everybody teach. He says those that are faithful should do what? Teach. But he says let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. You see, it's this elder brother spirit that you see people rejoicing and say they've spent too long in sin. They can't just, how can they just be rejoicing? How? How? Now let me tell you where it's coming from. Let me tell you where it's coming from. It's because the elder brother said, all these years I've served you nothing. Now, that nothing is because they didn't discover gladness and rejoicing. Which means that, all right, people serve God, but you, you I, mean, I mean, you can see people who are rejoicing, and people say, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> one time, when I'm coming to service, you know, I will look at, Look at the ushers. They'll be dancing so much. I said, you are here to usher. You people are dancing more than... But I said to myself, listen, if the ushers are not dancing, then, then you know, at least it shows that these people are joyful. All right? Because you can get to a point where, you know, you are not even rejoicing. You are just folding your hand and, you know, all right. You are looking around. These people don't understand. All right? They don't understand. And, you know, when you have that kind of attitude, right? And, and that's what was going on with the Pharisees. Tell the people to stop. Jesus said, listen, if these ones keep quiet, if they don't praise, he said, then stones are going to... I will take it from anybody. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I'll take it from anybody. All right? You think when you hear the cock crowing, you don't know his praise. When the lion gets up and roars, you think it's to you? He's saying, Father, I thank you today that I will find something to eat. That's what they are doing. You think when the birds are, what they are doing is, Father, we thank you, we thank you, Jesus. That's what they are doing. That's why you have never seen a bird. Austerity has never caught a bird. You can't go now and see that in 1982, the birds were doing better. Because no matter the decree, the birds are praising God in the morning. You are the one that watches TV at night and stops praising in the morning because of what you heard on television. As though what you heard on television affects the flow of God. What affects the flow of God is when you close that gate of praise. Do you understand what I'm saying there? When you shut that gate of praise, right? That's what affects it. 
Listen, when they were rebuilding the temple, the first thing they repaired were the doors. Which means the first thing, if you want to repair anybody's spiritual life, what you first repair is praise. First thing, because God is looking for worshipers. In fact, I said this yesterday, I was supposed to go and preach, only I'm going to preach in this church, the angry man. Listen, listen, many men are angry. Many men, they are what? Angry. They are praying, but they are angry. No, I was going to preach with men's missing butcher, and I built this message I'd written is inside this book, The Angry Men. God gave me that revelation in the morning, right? Too many men are angry. And even though they are praying, there is anger. And the anger is coming as a result of disappointment, and this was causing domestic violence. And, and this anger, and, and you know, I, I saw it in the Bible, two days later I stumbled on financial times. And they talked about the rise of angry men in Africa, young men. And they said this is going to become that if they are not careful, this is where this thing is going to implode. That there are too many angry men who are looking at other countries, seeing their mates doing things, and the anger level is developing. This xenophobia is anger. Now, let me show you that it's a male problem here. Not even female. Look, put up 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting holy hands without what? Wrath. That's anger. You say, Pastor, you have started again, you preachers. That that men there, when the Bible says men, it means male and female. So why are you saying it is men? It is men. How do you know? Read it again. I will therefore that what? Men. Pray every day, lifting holy hands without wrath and doubting. How do I know? Next verse. In like manner also that women. So those ones are what? Men. Which means this anger problem is a male problem. All right? And people are angry. And what's causing the anger? Things have happened. They didn't get the right job. They, they, didn't, they didn't get the best. Look, there is anger, which means many men are on the inside and had written the message. I was going to preach it if I told people, all right, in church, who I said, what this message I'm about to preach on angry men. I told people. In fact, one of the ministers told me, as they said, it was yesterday I discovered why he didn't preach it. Because I told them, I said, watch it. I sent the link to them and I sat down to preach, to, to wait to preach, and then the conveyor of the meeting got up all right, it was a men's meeting. The person who, the head of it was the secretary of federal government. All right, Mr. Bosula. And he got up and said, The theme of our conversion is focus. I said, What? It was the first time I heard the theme. He said, So we're here to talk about focusing. And then they were quoting all the scriptures that were. Th- so I remember they must have sent it in the letter. But you know, you just get a letter, but you don't read the letter properly. I just realized by goodness. All right. So the last scripture they gave, I quickly sat down and wrote in 10 minutes a new message. I sat down there, stared right. Now, how did I know how to write? One day we held the platform, and I think there was a person I called who was from South Africa. He was, was a bishop in South Africa also. And he just, I, I was by him, he just sat down. I think he too just heard the theme for the first time. I opened his book and wrote everything. Powerful message. So that's when I discovered that you don't have to, if you are in tune with the Spirit, all right? You, you know, so we say we've prepared our message. You can get there and they tell you that we're all vegetarians here, so you better serve. <laughs> you understand? So you write, I wrote that. But I got that revelation of angry men. And 
Then I saw it in Financial Times about the rise. And they were even looking at it from a place of terrorism and all of that. And let me tell you what they said. Let me tell you what they said. They said, you know, as much as people are abusing, abuse pastor, abuse pastor, this is Financial Times, so this is not Bible theology or anything. Financial Times, so they wrote there. The only thing saving the continent in Africa is religious leaders who are tampering this anger down. In other words, you've come to church now. That anger will go down now. At least we will pour water. You come Sunday service, we preach hope. The anger goes down. Haven't you heard the anger on Twitter? Haven't you seen on Facebook? Didn't somebody just come and show some fake photograph of some people jumping from somewhere, which was India, and say Nigerians are jumping in South Africa? People went on the road and were pulling people out of car. Can't you see that there was bottled? There's anger there. Which means we are steps away from real manifestation of anger. People, you can see people tweeting, you, anger is coming out. And this anger is coming out of aspirations that people had when they were 15, 16, 17, and it's like the whole life is imploding in front of them. And they're realizing I may never become everything I saw inside my heart. And that disappointment, that thing is now bottling up, which means that people now, they, and they said, angry with government leaders, the anger is even shifting also, all right, to everybody now, because they feel that, if I, we are getting angry that even at the pastors who are preaching that you've been telling us we'll prosper, uh, look, this is 15 years now, no prosper, this is what is going on. So it's anger that is coming out, that your time is coming, it's anger coming out, all right? And this anger, I know the unfortunate thing when I prepared that message is, people got angry at the place of destiny. They just didn't understand it. The very place of disappointment was the place where God wanted to turn them into a cause of destiny. But because people didn't process that thing properly, it turned, that's what the Bible says, lest there be a root of bitterness. That's why it talked about lift up the hands that are heavy where God was correcting. So, it says, let me close here, Luke 19. It says, all right, this will hold. If thou had known the things that, that even thou at least thy day, the things that belong to the peace, but now they are hid from their eyes. And it says, the enemy will now build a trench round about thee. And all the children that were supposed to come, all the things that were supposed to come to your life, keep sitting on the ground because there's no praise. So, Psalm 24 and verse 7. So, what is he saying here? It says, lift up your head, O ye gates. Lift and be lifted up, O ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall do what? Come in. In other words, lift it. Lift up your head. You see, I, I heard a preacher say this. I won't mention his name, but let me if I say it's happened in this country. And this was maybe about 15 years ago. He went through severe things from, from, from ministers. And they, they, they treated him badly. I, I know they treated him badly. All right, and if he, if he goes to prison, they treated him badly because of something. And, and he said, I was just listening to something on Facebook and I downloaded it for posterity just to keep it, to listen to it. He said, and after they did everything they were going to do, what they said they would do to me, he said the mistake they made was that they felt that all those things will get me depressed. So when I go to pray, I will go there and be crying before God. God, you know, look at what I'm going through. Look at all these people are saying. And you play the victim. He said, but I didn't go that way. 
I went to God and I said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I acknowledged every good and perfect thing that is on the inside. I had no regard for what they were saying and doing. I was acknowledging the weapons formed and I prayed that way. And that's what the Bible is saying. Lift up your heads, all right? Lift it up. Somebody says, well, somebody broke up with me and then in the spirit, the lady is hanging this way. She even changes the way. She used to wear makeup before. Now she wears rubber slippers to church. And you see, you're, listen, listen, listen. I said this fourth service. I said, listen, may I, look, me, me? You can't tell me that, you know, there's time to recuperate. You know, no. You see, if, if someone broke up with you, you have to wait for six months to get healed before somebody else. I don't believe all those things. I don't believe it. Three weeks, you can find somebody else. Three weeks. And it's no rebound. I don't, listen, I, see, I don't believe it. Let me tell you why. Because the Bible says, if by one man, Adam, sin entered, by one man also righteousness. If one man damaged you, you cannot get restored sitting in your house. Another man must come and heal you. So if you are sitting down, hanging down, waiting, you will be there. Are you from there? I had a friend. He chased a lady while in school. Chased her. She treated him like a dog. One day, he was driving. His car broke down. And when the car broke down, this lady left him there, took a cab, and, you know, but he kept chasing. You know when you are running after what doesn't want you? But you are just running after. And losing your self-esteem. So one day he came to meet me. When we started church, he came to church and everything. He said, Pastor, I said, what's the problem? He said, Pastor, 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 now I know true love. I said, what do you mean? He said, I know love. I didn't know what love was before. Now I've discovered love. I said, what happened? He said, you remember? My car broke down in school back there. I said, yes. He said, that car broke down again this time with this other lady. He said, so what happened? He said, quickly, I didn't want that day to replay itself. So I told her, be going, be going, be going, so that that hurt will not happen. Just be going, be going, be going. I said, she left. He said, and I was there trying to repair my car near her house. He said, I started hearing footsteps coming after 20 minutes. Pam, pam, pam. He said, I looked up. It was this lady coming back with sandwiches and a flask with drinks. I said, I couldn't leave you here alone. He said, I have discovered love. <laughs> he said, I am healed of what happened there. So the Bible says, lift up your head. Are you following what I'm saying? Because you will sit down, hanging down, having pity parties. It will not work. Jesus won't come in if you're having a pity party. Lift. Are you following what I'm saying here? That's why it says, yeah, lift up your head. That's why it says, when men call your name evil, cast you out, lift up your head so that the king of glory can come in. If your head is down, Jesus can enter. Open the gates with praise. Rejoice in that day. They say you kicked you out of the job, lift up your head. All right? Next verse, it says this, verse 28, verse 8. It says, lift up, now next verse, it says this, who is the king of glory, the Lord strong and mighty? The Lord mighty battle, which means God can fight until you allow him in. Verse 9, all right, it goes on and says this. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Lift them up, O ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Re-emphasizing that. Verse 10, he says again, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Lift it up, and the glory of God. Are you following what I'm saying? So rejoice, keep the gates open. Don't let anything stop, you know. Yesterday I said something for the first time in my life. I never said it. I never said it. And that's why, that's why I'm very keen on this uh, Jericho praise that we're doing, all right, every night. Start, starting with first, let's seven days. Then let me tell you what happened. After our first joy night, not, not 
this one. This last one did. So somebody called, called me and said to me something. Somebody said, ah, um, Nathaniel Bassi is doing um, Hallelujah China. He's been going on and successful. I looked look, look at what he was doing. He's very powerful. He was having um, the Hallelujah Challenge. So one day, when people started criticizing him, he put out a post on Instagram. He said, people have been asking, where did I get this thought to do Hallelujah Challenge? And he put my photograph there. He said, you want to know who inspired it? He said, it was the teaching of Pastor Cody. He said, he's the one that taught joy that I listened to and I knew that there was something here. And we started the Hallelujah Challenge. Now, to anybody looking at that, that was kudos to me. Yes, you have put something validated by the ministry. But when I looked at it, I was chastised. And I said to myself, you taught it, but you didn't practice it. You didn't get the people into it. You left them. Now, and I've preached this before, that Elisha said, I've heard the sound of the abundance of rain. You can hear a sound and preach the sound, but you may not position yourself to be a beneficiary of that sound. All right? And I was preaching somewhere for, I think it was even Archbishop, Archbishop who sound me at his leaders meeting. He invited me to preach, and it was his leaders. And Reverend Miko was there. And I, when I was preaching, I got to that point and I said, in this country, there are many people who have preached and put out sounds. And they never, pract- they never entered into those sounds, but other ministries today are representatives of that sound that they put out. Both of them said, mm, I choose. So I knew that, Cap, I didn't see this thing. So after we preached Tabernacle of David, this one, <laughs> I said to myself, Chief, <laughs> you preach again this thing. And I stepped in. So after we did the Jericho, all right, prayer there, at the end, I think that thing was in my subconscious. So it came out on the inside of me. Now, let me, let me tell you. I'm, I'm, I've not said it. I just told you seven days. Yeah, I stopped in seven days. We are continuing with that thing until December 31st. But you see, if I tell you December 31st, it will look like... So I'll tell you, don't, don't tell anybody. On Sunday, that I, if you hear, it's you. If they hear, it's you. On Sunday, because it's not, the, it's not life, it's not on... So if it's you are the ones. Okay. So on Sunday, I'm going to announce that we'll do another 10 days. So I'll be breaking it as 10 days, 7 days, 10 days seven days until we get to December 31st. But let me tell you, by the time you break into that spirit of praise and you get those doors opened, are you following what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's, you, you, things that will come into the lives of people. I mean, somebody told me, he gave me a testimony, he said, the highest sales, he works in the chair, they sell tires in the company. He said, I just, I think yes, they told me, he said, I just want you to know. 3.5 million is the highest anybody has sold tires in this office. He said, yes, they had just sold 12 million naira worth of tires. One go. He said, in the history of that company, it's never happened before. You see, when you begin to praise, you open gates. And you open the gates to, to, to people, to things that are beyond, are you following your imagination? All right? And, and one woman had prayed and prayed. Kenneth Hagin talked about this. Prayed and prayed. 
And she said, God, why is this thing not going through? Uh, and God said to her, he said, show that in the vision. Say, here's the skill. Prayer. Prayed. He said, can you see prayer? It's full. Can you see praise? Empty. He said, manifestation comes when the praise matches the prayer. When you are spending as much time praying as you are spending all right, praise. Because it's when you start praising and rejoicing in the, in the, that's when the gates start getting opened up for unusual visitations. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word and by the power of your spirit, I ask this truth be established in our hearts and expressed within our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. For listening to today's podcast to listen to the full message or any other message please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org for any inquiries please call 0818-600-0082 god bless you Let's turn our Bibles first to Isaiah 45, and I'll read verses 1 to 3. And it says, Thus here the Lord who is anointed to Cyrus, whose right hand have I holden, uh, to subdue nations before him, and I will lose the loins of kings, to open before him the two levered gates, and the gates shall not be shut. Note that the gates shall not be shut. I'll open them and they shall not be shut. Verse 2 it says, And I will go before thee, and I will make the crooked places straight, and I'll break in pieces the gates of brass, and cut in asunder the bars of iron. And then he goes on and says, And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of sacred places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by name, he says, I am the God of Israel. So here he speaks about um, opening up the gates, and he says that the gates shall not all right, all right, be shot in verse 2 there, and the gates shall not be shot. Now, our theme for the last quarter of the year is finishing 2019 strong, and then it goes on to say starting 2020 big. And what do we mean by finishing something strong? That's finishing it. Uh, this last eight something days with strength. 
uh, uh, manifesting the strength of God in uh, these last uh, um, days here of the year. That is, finishing it strong. Uh, not finishing it disappointed. Not finishing it with a sense of regret. Not finishing it uh, thinking that uh, the year didn't deliver everything, all right, and start at this point in time, uh, start looking back and, 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 and feeling that uh, um, God, uh, all right, I mean, you won't voice that out, but that God didn't come through, right, for them uh, throughout the entire year. And, and the scripture just came to my mind now, let me just read it here. In Hebrews chapter 11, when we say finishing here with strength, it speaks about, um, it talks about the various people that walked by faith, and then it gets to the place where it tells us also about Sarah. And the scripture says that Sarah received strength to conceive, even though because she judged him as faithful. Through faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive, for she was delivered of a child when she was past age, and because she judged him faithful that promised. So some people in their minds, they might say, well, uh, the time has gone. And, and because of that, subconsciously, they, they feel that God, leave that scripture, hasn't come through. But this woman had gone past the age. I mean, she was 90 years old, but she judged God as being faithful. That if I had a promise from God, God is faithful, all right, to keep his promise. What was lacking... Now, look at that scripture well. Wasn't the promise, neither was God ever unfaithful, but she lacked the strength to bring about what God had promised, that internal strength. And this is where we're going to here. So when we say finishing it strong, all right, first of all, you judge God first as being faithful, and then you realize that where is the adjustment supposed to be made. I need strength to bring forth, all right, everything. So you judge him as faithful. And because you judge him as faithful, we'll see this regardless of what's going on. The joy of the Lord is your strength, all right? So you start rejoicing in him in spite of anything on the outside, judging him as being faithful. And then the strength, all right, God's power, that word strength there, it's the arm of God that is now revealed in that situation, the strength of God, the might of God, and the ability of God that is now revealed right there. So we're talking about finishing strong uh, and understanding that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So it's a dedication in faith to make these last days of the year days of joy. All right, days of rejoicing, not in anything on the outside, but rejoicing in the presence of God, 
the consistency of God, I want to show this, and the faithfulness of God. That's committing ourselves uh, to that, and we will see it. Uh, and that's what uh, Paul also spoke about in Acts 20 and verse 24. He says, but none of these things move me. Now, they talked about various things and the prophecies that came about Paul uh, taught the garment and said, so shall be done to this man, all kinds of persecution he will go through. He said, none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I may finish my cause with joy. Which is, so finish it up, when we say you finish with strength, you finish it with joy, and the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify of the gospel. So Paul understood that once you lose your joy in anything, then you've lost the strength of God, and you've really lost the spirit inside that thing, and you've lost the essence of God in it. Uh, so it's important, all right, that we do understand this in terms of us, right, finishing uh, this thing here, as the scripture says here, with joy, or, or finishing it rather here with the strength of God. So I want to look at this in terms of finishing what it means to finish here, right, with strength. And it's about finishing with the joy of God inside our hearts. Finishing with joy. It tells us in Isaiah 52 and verse 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. And then he goes on and says this, next verse, the watchmen shall lift up the voice, uh, with the voice they shall sing, for they shall see when the Lord shall bring again or restore Zion. And then he says in verse 9, break forth into joy. Uh, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people and he hath redeemed Jerusalem. And then he goes on and says, the Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. So well, if the condition that has to be satisfied is that the individual or the people have to break forth into joy. Uh, that's the real breakthrough. Let's look at the, the last, it says break forth. Uh, we talk about breakthroughs on the outside. When there is a, a supernatural, something supernatural happens. But the real breakthrough, all right, is inside there. And it's when a person can break forth into a place of having the spirit of joy, singing there while they are still considered the waste places of Jerusalem. So what we really call breakthrough is the external, is the effect. But the cause there is the fact that the person has broken forth from a place where the condition of their lives on the outside is determining the state of their heart 
and their mood to the place where something else now determines or like the level, all right, how you see them. All right, when you meet with them, they've broken forth into the place of joy. They are singing it together, and it says, the which place is, it says, for the Lord has comforted, he has redeemed Jerusalem. Verse 10, it goes on and says, the Lord has made bare his holy arm, all right, in the eyes of all nations. And it says, all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And verse 11, it now goes on and says, the parts go out from them, all right, and all of that, and don't touch. In other words, just follow the instructions of God uh, and don't do anything um, that the enemy might tempt you to do, that that, that that joy is actually going to produce something massive. So, so the first scripture we looked at talked about the gates being opened continuously, all right, or, or God, that's what I'm saying, uh, God, all right, opening up the gates so that the gates are no longer shut. In Isaiah 45, verse 2, it says, your gates are no longer, all right, of verse 1, and the gates shall not be shut. Now, what's this gate here uh, that is referring to when it says the gates will no longer be shut, right? What's the gates that he is referring to in our lives? Where God says, I am going to open these gates. Uh, remember, we've said you break forth into joy. It takes the enablement of the spirit to be able to enter into a spirit, all right, of joy there and begin to sing out of joy in the heart. That's where the real breakthrough is. In other words, the condition no longer is determining the state of a person's heart, but something else is doing that. And in Isaiah chapter 60, from verse 9, it tells us Isaiah 60 and verse 9. It says, Surely the isles shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish first, to bring thy sons from far. In other words, these things will come from a far place. Uh, the blessings will come out of distant regions. There are silver and gold with them. Unto the name of thy Lord and to the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glorified thee. And then in verse 10, it says, And the sons of strangers shall build up thy walls, and their kings shall minister unto thee. So you have strangers building your walls, helping you out. Right? For in my wrath I smote thee, but in my favor I had mercy on thee. And then verse 11, it goes on and says, Therefore, uh, because of this, thy gates shall be open continually. Now what he's saying is, in order for this to happen, your gates must be open continually, and they shall not be shut day nor night, that men may bring unto thee the forces of the Gentiles, and their kings may be brought. So the scripture 
says here there is something in the realm of the spirit that can be addressed as the gates into your life. And that if these gates are shut, all right, and God even answers prayers, and, 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 and a parcel is sent to your house, and the gates are shut, and they don't have any place or point of entry into your house, then they've got to turn back. So he speaks about these gates. And he says those gates shall be opened. Uh, and that's what God was saying there about opening these gates so that they are not shut. And here he says, therefore thy gates shall be opened continually. Uh, they shall not be shut day or night that men may bring unto thee. So even if the Bible says, give and it shall be given, all right, a man shall bring unto your bosom, press down, shake it together, and run it over. If the gates, these gates are shut, then that scripture just cannot be fulfilled. So those gates have got to be open day and night. And it says in verse 12, we're going to see what these gates are. A nation and kingdom that shall not serve, they shall perish, and here nations shall be utterly wasted. So it talks about opening these gates, right, so that strangers can come in. So to a person whom those gates are opened up, well, you just say things are happening by coincidence. Uh, they are meeting up, all right, with strangers. Uh, people are coming into their lives, and, 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 and they, are, they, they are doing things for these people, uh, and, and people, sons are coming from afar. All right, and this is the gate he's talking about because it's open. So that person keeps uh, things opened up. They, they go into a place. Their experience is totally different from somebody else with whom the gates there are short, and God has no point of entry into the life of that person. So what are the gates that he's talking about? It tells us in verse 18, I believe, all right, from verse 18, violence shall no more be heard in thy land, wasting and destruction within thy borders. And I'm going to prove it that this thing is so throughout the scripture. Violence will no longer be heard in thy land, wasting or destruction within thy borders, but thou shalt call thy walls salvation and thy gates, it says, praise. So when it talks about the gates shall not be shut, night or day is talking about praise. That is, praise will be. So you open up, right, your life to God when you are a person who continuously there gives praise unto God. When continuously streams of praise are coming out, night and day. And there's no way this can happen without you scheduling it. In other words, if you can't say that, well, I'll just do it as I'm led. It won't work. You have to schedule it. Anything and everything that works on the earth, it works because it's scheduled. All right? Everything is scheduled. The sun is scheduled to rise at a time and to set at a particular period and time. All right? Everything. God schedules things. Our entire life is scheduled. 
Now we come into Christianity and we start saying we are led by the Spirit and, and we resist scheduling. If it's not scheduled there, which means if you don't have a time where you have scheduled to open the gates there uh, during the day, in the morning, and schedule a time in the evening to open the gates there so that your gates are not shut, so that the forces of the Gentiles, so that what God is bringing in, all right, into your life can get in. And what is not supposed to be, all right, inside your life gets out of your life. Isaiah 52 and verse 1. It says, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garment. O Jerusalem, the holy city, for henceforth. Now, what's the beautiful garment? What is the strength? The joy of the Lord is our strength. What's the beautiful garment? The garments of praise. Put on and these things, for henceforth shall no more come in unto thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. In other words, it says, if you put on your strength and you wear the garments of praise, the Bible says it steals the enemy, stops the avenger, all right, the uncircumcised and the unclean will not be able to have access into your life, all right? Put up Isaiah chapter 49 and verse, let's see this again. It says, Isaiah 49 and verse 13. It says this, sing, all right, O heavens, be joyful, O earth, break forth into singing, O mountains. You can see the breaking forth there. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But Zion said, which means instead of singing, they judged God's presence by what was going on on the outside. The Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. And God says, I can't forsake or forget you. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, I will not forget thee. Behold, I've engraven thee upon the palms of my hands. Which means if I look at my palms, you are right there. How can I forget? You can't forget what's written on the palms of your hand. And thy walls are continually before me. And when you used to cheat back then in school, in exams, they'll write on the palm of their hands because you can't forget what is written there. So God says, listen, I've written you. If I look at my hands, I see you. I cannot forget you. All right? If we just believe the scripture that it's impossible for the creator of the heavens and the earth to forget us in any situation, then what is drastically wrong? When people are not seeing the manifestation of God's power, it has to be drastically long, which means we must be missing him big on something. If such a great God says, I can never leave you nor forsake you, and people feel forsaken in situations, and it looks like their prayers are going unanswered, then there has to be something really drastically wrong. And he tells us here, he says, Behold, I've engraven you. He says, Thy children shall make haste, and the destroyers that made thee waste shall go forth from thee. Now, how do the destroyers that made thee waste go out of you? Which is what he was talking about, that the uncircumcised and the unclean will not come in. Which was, was saying that violence and destruction shall no longer be heard in your land. It says, lift up thy eyes round about, behold, all these gather themselves as I leave. It says, surely you will clothe yourself with them. It says, for your waste 
and desolate places and the land of destruction shall be too narrow by reason of the inhabitants and those that swallowed you up will be far away from you. It says, what will bring about this experience? It says, it is verse 13, which is sing, O heavens, which is be joyful, O earth, which is break forth into singing, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. In other words, God has done it, he says, but people are judging him by what they can see and feel. And so those gates are closed and because the gates of praise are shut, it says what God wants to bring in or I just cannot get in. Nothing drastically changes a man's life like him coming to a place where he breaks forth into the place of praise there. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.